0: We're in part three of our Best Supporting Actors, and we've honestly been looking at and looking at some of the characters in the Bible, some of the people in the Bible that maybe don't get front billing. Not everybody knows their name. Not everybody knows their story, but God has, has kept this for us for the generations through all these years so that we can learn from them. And so as, we're, as we get into this, then uh, these people help, their lives help reveal to us how we can move forward with God, because that's what Celebration Church is about. It's moving forward in our relationship with God. All of us move at a little bit different speeds. All of us have a little bit different uh, <coughs> forward path that we're going, but all of us are heading to the same direction—to become Christ-like. And as we're looking at this, we're going to look at the life of Philip the Evangelist. Now, there's two Philip's. There's Philip the disciple/slash apostle. And then there's Philip the Evangelist. And we're going to be looking at the life of Philip the Evangelist because his life shows us how to live a life of service to God. Live a life pouring out for God. Because as we get... As we get uh, brought into the kingdom. Now God does not keep us on his shelf like this Oscar. Like we're not these little trophies. in God's life. And we don't show up to church so God can kind of knock the dust off of us. And kind of make us pristine again. No, we are brought into the kingdom. And we are living stones. We're an active part of it. And we are truly hitting on all cylinders. When we are doing that. When God is moving through our lives. And we're in this place of serving God with our every breath. And we're going to look and learn about Philip's life that way. See, in our uh, newcomers class this past week, we just hit on this. We just hit on talking about serving and being a part of that. And I used with them the illustration about the um, uh, aqueduct there in Segovia, Spain. And it is just this huge aqueduct. And the Roman aqueduct, of course, these big uh, uh, channels, these big things that carried water from the mountains to these regions that didn't have it this particular one was 17 miles long I mean isn't that just incredible to build this thing to carry water 17 miles the one in Segovia was built in year 109 I mean this is I mean this is centuries and centuries ago and it stayed in active service until just after the <coughs> in the early nineteen hundreds for over eighteen hundred years this stone structure, made just right after Jesus went up to heaven, carried water from the hills in, in Spain into the town of Segovia. For over 1,800 years did it faithfully. Over 60 generations of Spaniards drank and received their water from this aqueduct that came. Well, the, it, was, a, it was the main symbol, what everybody... Knows Segovia for. I mean, there's there in Segovia, there's these double sets of arches. The tallest part of this thing is 97 feet tall. It's huge, so it's their monument. It's on their little town crest. You know, we've got our two buttes. You know, it's San Angelo. We got the buttes. Well, they have this cool aqueduct, and they decided that they were going to relieve it of its duties, and they were going to preserve it as a monument. So they decided they were going to pipe the water from the mountains. And Quit running water through this thing going to give it, its men it served us well We're going to give it a break and it's just going to be this wonderful monument to us It was all fine and good for a couple of decades now it stood there for 1800 years faithfully serving they took it out of service it quit running water through it and in just a couple of decades It started to fall apart because what they didn't realize is that what preserved it, what kept it along, was its useful work. When, the, the, when it quit running water through it, all of its mortar and all of that stuff began to dry out and crack. All of the, the weathered elements that it withstood for all these years, that didn't have an effect on it for all these years, it quit being used. And at that point, all of those elements that it had been exposed to the whole time began to have its wear on it and it began to crumble and to fall apart now i know that we all work for retirement and we can retire from our jobs and save up and be smart that way but you know what in the kingdom of god kingdom of god we're to go out with our boots on there's no retired christians we're to be going forward and serving god And any time we shrink back from that even though sometimes it'll wear on us, even time some of the the water begins to stain us and and do these different things, it is a worse thing to shrink back and not be used for our useful purpose than it is to pull back altogether. And when we look at the life of Philip, we see some of the key elements that Philip had kicking in his life. Now the first one we see is that Philip was full of the Spirit and wisdom. This is crucial. Philip was was full of the Spirit and wisdom and wisdom let's look at acts chapter six verses two through five it says so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of god in order to wait on tables they had two groups of two groups of widows and they were kind of arguing about one of them's getting taken care of and the other one's not they're getting neglected and it was wearing on the apostles which they needed to be praying and teaching the word so they said, let's, let's fix this. We got Somebody's got to feed these ladies and take care of them and minister to them, so they're going to fix it. And he said, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, which we will get to in this series, and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, a Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. See, as they were beginning to minister, and they were choosing these guys who were going to be taking care of this tent situation. Now they referred to it as waiting on tables, but there were these ladies. That, there was this tent situation, and when they were choosing these men, they wanted to make sure that they were full of the Spirit. And full of wisdom. Now why was it so important that they're full of the Spirit? Why was that so important that they had to be full of the Spirit? Well, for one thing, the Spirit is what gives us our wisdom. The Spirit is what empowers us. The Spirit is what is what moves us forward in real, genuine ministry. Also, these guys needed to have the fruit of the Spirit in spades these guys were stepping into this tense situation where these ladies were arguing and there was this division and they did not need to get caught up in the whirlwind of it all. The way that you and I can step into and be able to minister when things are not going right is we've got to be full of the Spirit. And the the beautiful thing is, is Jesus himself tells us, he said, you know, if, if we as evil fathers... Know how to give good gifts. How much more is God going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And it's just totally free. Just to say, Lord, fill me up with Your Spirit. I want to be used by You. And Philip was that kind of a man. Because when you're going to be begin to be pouring out, what's inside matters. If you're going to somebody's going to be taking that in and consuming it, what's inside matters. Now, in my household growing up, there were there were three. Females that grew up in my house. And I'm not going to tell which female this was in this story to protect all of them. so that Nobody gets creeped out or nothing. But, um, anyways, my, my favorite cracker has always been Ritz. It's just that toasty, buttery goodness. It's just, <laughs> that is just awesome. If I was choosing what we were using for communion, we'd be using Ritz. And, uh, and so that's, that's just the divine cracker. And, anyways, but nowadays all the Ritz come in these nice little cylinder packs. But back in the day, Ritz used to come in a box. And you had a little bag inside the box. And all the Ritz were just kind of loose on the inside of that box. And uh, then uh, one of these females in my home decided they went to going to watch some TV, going to get the box of Ritz and munch on the Ritz. While they were watching TV, it was about maybe a fourth full. wasn't... You know, when when the full box of Ritz, and they're sitting there and eating these and enjoying these Ritz, watching TV. And, of course, it's pretty common to put a topping on Ritz, you know. You put your little piece of ham or some peanut butter, that's good stuff. Or the best, when I was a kid, that's right, that good old canned cheese. Man, I'm telling you, you're living good. If you have a Ritz and you pile a big old wad of that canned cheese on there, that is some good living right there. And I'll... Uh, and so, but they reached into this box of Ritz, and there was a topping already on that Ritz cracker. And I looked down, and it's not a common one, not a regular kind of topping. And they looked down, and, and there, was a, there was a roach leg laying on that Ritz. And of course, uh, you know, I, I might would have brushed it off, but it's a female. So they freaked out, screamed and all that. And of course the next thing is, is this has just been this open box. It's been open a little while, three quarters of it had already been eaten. So begin to inspect the few writs and the crumbs that are left, hoping to find the rest of that insect. It was not there. It was only the leg. And, uh, and so that, uh, that haunted this individual for, for many, many, many years. And uh, I relish every writ I eat in their presence. Because it did not happen to me. But if somebody's going to be taking it in, what matter, what's inside matters. And that's why it seemed like here's somebody who's just going to be feeding some people. Why does that have to be such a big deal? Why do we want to make sure they're full of the Spirit and full of wisdom? Because we're only going to really be able to give out what we have allowed God to do in our lives. That's why you're not accountable in, in sharing Christ anything other than what you know. Somebody ask you a hard question, you just do. I don't know, and you share what you do know. You are responsible for that. You are responsible for for bringing that out of your heart and sharing that truth. But anything else, you're not. And so, when as we are are serving God, we want to make sure, and we say, God, I want me to live my life for you. I want to be like Philip. I want to be full of the Spirit and wisdom see proverbs 4 7 says wisdom is supreme therefore get wisdom though it cost you all you have get understanding james 1 5 says if anybody lacks wisdom he should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him god gives this freely it's not a big tough thing to position ourselves to serve god we can ask god to fill us with the spirit who does it freely We can ask God for wisdom, and he gives it freely. We simply just have to desire to be put into that position. We also see that Philip was willing to serve where needed, and he did not look down on small beginnings. See, these guys are telling him, we don't need to wait on tables. We've got to devote... And that sounds like kind of speaking down about this job. You know, he could have thought, wait a second, I'm full... Of the spirit and wisdom, I need to be doing something else. I tell you what: no matter what role in uh, in serving God, you want those characteristics. But he didn't. He embraced it. He saw the wonder in being able to serve and represent God in that situation. He did not look down on small beginnings, and he they didn't have to make up this great title and call him provision engineer, so that he would feel good about I'm, I'm. I'm a provision engineer. I get to hand out the the food to the wheel. No, he embraced right where it was. Now, on Friday, my son gave me the greatest illustration of not despising small beginnings. It was so perfect. Thank you, Keenan. And uh, because we, we, uh, about a, well, almost two weeks now, we started P90X. He wanted to do P90X. And I'm only two weeks into it, and that's why I don't look all ripped and buff. And so... uh, and, uh, but we, you know, we've been getting into it, and of course, like, like any 14-year-old who's, like, done a curl or something, and he flexes all the time. And so he's sitting there, and he's just striking his poses. And on, uh, on Friday night, before worship practice, then we're there in the Moore's kitchen, and it's me, and, and his mama, and, and Angela, and so he sits there, and he lifts his, lifts his arm up, and he's like, don't you think the P90X is working? And, of course, you know, being nice, yeah, yeah, it's so good. He goes, y'all are so lucky. I don't have a good view. (laughs) I laughed so hard. almost spewed stuff out of my nose. I was like, now that's a guy that does not despise small beginnings. He's seeing the grandeur. And I told him on the way here, I said, son, I'm going to use your story about your muscles. He said, oh, that's cool. I said, as... Not despising small beginnings. Oh, Dad, that's just wrong. <laughs> you, you, you're going to mess with my guns in front of everybody? Yep. Yes, I am. And so, but we can't in that. God may start us out and, and ask us to do something that we think is seemingly small. I mean, we can't have the, the, the mistake that Naaman of the Old Testament, he needed to be healed. And he was like, he want to do something great for God. And the, and the prophet told him, go dip yourself in the water. Seven times, and he almost walked away from it because it wasn't some big and hard. See, a lot of times we we will look down on these little things. We don't see the value in that little moment of prayer, or or giving somebody that little word of encouragement, or doing these little things. And that really they build up in such huge, huge ways. Let's go ahead and jump to Matthew ten twenty-five, and it says, "But Jesus called them together." And said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin so many times that God is so excited when we take these little steps of obedience the little steps of service and we're not really recognizing how wonderful and great it really is and God's really doing some awesome things and God's like yes they're moving in the right direction and if we're not on God's page we're not gonna honor it the way God does and we will actually stop but too early and not see of what it leads to and in Matthew twenty five twenty one, there's Jesus in that in the parable telling of the the servants. He says, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your happiness of your Lord." Philip was also obedient, and that's kind of the momentum, we, when we don't despise small beginnings, then we'll begin to walk in this place of obedience. And a lot of times it, it, takes, this little, it, it takes a little time to, to see the, the, the full effect, because living a life of o- obedience to God, because God isn't trying to control us. That's what we got to understand. When God asks something of us, He simply wants us to live in a better way. Live above something, live free from something. God's not trying to control us and and strangle life out of us. He wants to get life into us. And so walking in a place of obedience to God is simply walking in a better life, of living in a better life in every area. And we see this in Philip's life that he lived a life of obedience. Years ago, I used to have some jet skis and and uh, you would sit there. And they weren't the real huge powerful ones. They were they were plenty quick. But I'd sit there and get the kids on there and I'd let them. Run the throttle, and of course I have my two hundred pounds on the back of it. It's kind of bogged down in the back, and they'd sit there and pull the throttle all the way back in, and it winds up, and it's just kind of just not going, it's making a whole lot of noise, a whole lot of stuff, and not going very fast. But slowly it starts to to plane out, and then when it planes out, it's zooming. Didn't give it any more gas. Didn't give it any more stuff. It just finally, it got leveled out and it'd sit there and it began to just zoom. And every time with the kids, their eyes would get real big and wow, they'd let go. And it, just, it would just freak them out because this momentum shift would just begin to just take off. And us living a life of obedience, it, it works like that. When we come to God, there's so many regular... Junked up habits. There's so many things we're not used to doing, and we said, "God, I want to walk in obedience to you." And sometimes it feels like we're just all bogged down. We're like, "God, I'm I'm living. I'm trying to obey, and what's going on? And I I ought to be going faster than this." And as we continue to walk in obedience, the things I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you begin to plane out, and it's not all this work and no reward. All of a sudden, it begins to be this, this blessed life that God has called us to live, and we begin to skim across. Instead of being bogged down. Obedience to God is a wonderful thing. It is not bondage. It is so wonderful and and so good. Acts 8. The angel of the Lord said to Philip. Go south to the road. The desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. We see boom. Obedience in his life. Acts 8.29. The spirit told Philip to go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to, <coughs> to the chariot. We've always tried to instruct our kids that they're not perfect in it, but we've always tried to instruct them for first-time obedience and to run to obey, to be quick to obey. That it always leads to blessing. It always, always leads to blessing. There in Samuel 15 Samuel reminds us that to to obey is better than sacrifice. any, Any of the wives will say they would much rather have never had their feelings hurt than to get the little necklace with the apology, the sacrifice. They'd much rather have no necklace and no feelings hurt than get their feelings hurt and have to get the sacrifice. Obedience is always better than whatever sacrifice we can bring to try to fix it On the back end of it, it is always a better thing. And Jesus said, If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And then John reminds us that this is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. So many people think, Man, living for God is just going to, ah, I don't know if I can commit to this. It's going to be so heavy and so all this. No, 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 no. It's not. Just say, God, I want to honor you with my life. And then just as the Holy Spirit begins to lead you, just begin to choose that. It's just one little choice after another. You don't have to say, oh, I've got to change all of this. And then I'm going to be like, no. Meet right where you're at. Don't let, don't let yourself beat you up about anything you did or didn't do. And don't you let anybody else beat you up about anything you did or didn't do. You let the Holy Spirit lead you. And you just purpose. I'm going to have an obedient spirit to God. And he's going to tell me what we need to deal with. And yeah, there will be stuff that's front burner issues. And yes, there's going to be stuff you're going to get to in a little while. And yeah, it all has to be dealt with. But God doesn't dump it all on our plates at one time. He doesn't. He leads us in paths of blessing. He, he It's not burdensome to choose a life to obey God. And the last thing we see is that Philip taught his daughters to have a relationship with God and to be used by him. And we come down here in Acts 21, verses 8 and 9. It says, they are leaving the next day. He reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist. One of the seven. Remember, the seven chosen. And he had... Unbelievable. (laughs) And that was my daughter. And now I can't even get on to her. I didn't silence my phone. All right. Wow. Now I'm flustered. <laughs> Teaching your children. Walk in obedience. That's what we were talking about. That's fun. We've got a number of scriptures here to back it up. I want to jump down to Acts 21.5. The Proverbs is, is awesome. And, and read the Ephesians there in your bulletin but i want to look down to acts 21 5 because i think this is so how we do it it is such a beautiful picture that is painted here paul and his group are about to be leaving on another leg of their journey and it says and when our time was up we left and continued on our way and all the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city and there on the beach we knelt to pray So here as Paul is there, Paul traveling around, carrying the gospel to places that nobody even heard about Jesus, pioneering all of this stuff. He's about to leave and you're having this wonderful moment where all the disciples are staying together. They kneel down on the beach and as we see this scene, there's, there's Paul and his traveling companions and the disciples that are staying behind and their wives and their children all there on the beach praying over paul there were little five-year-old kids there on that beach praying for paul to carry the gospel forth there in the early church there were 10 year old little kids there with mom and dad praying over and sending paul out there were teenagers there a part of that moment see that's how the disciples raised them up is they had them in the mix it wasn't just this thing. They had their children in the mix. It was there in it. That's why they're over there learning the same thing. They're talking about Philip the Evangelist right now. They're winding up and they're, they're probably already done. And they're, they're learning about Philip the Evangelist at this morning so that mom and dad can get together and we talk about the same spiritual truths as we grow together. We bring them into the mix why? Because we have to do this. We have to train up our children. We have to make disciples of those little ones God has put right in our hands. We have to do this. It is our assignment. We can't slough, slough it off on anybody else. And we just do it. It's not that, it's not a tough, it's not a big heavy weight. You just bring them into the midst. You just walk them right through. There on the beach. There in with your prayer life. There, And when, when you're studying the Word, bring them in. Discuss it. That is how we do this. We teach them to, to love God and to be used by God. And that God has a plan for them right now. Not someday, but today. Right now. See, let's choose to be like Philip. And be willing to serve God in any way that God wants to use us. Philip was used to, as, a, as a parent. Philip was used to, to serve food. Philip was, was, was used... To, to, to minister to, uh, to different people Philip was used in so many wonderful and beautiful ways We want to make sure that we allow God to use us in any way That he wants to use us But for that to first begin We have to first have a relationship with God For us to help bring our children up in a relationship with God We have to have a relationship with God So I want to make sure everybody that showed up here today Has that, is that the starting gate has that place. So if everybody would please just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to create a, a quiet moment together. And we just would like to make give the opportunity that if you have not known Christ, if you've not received the free gift that is available to us in Christ that we can have a relationship with God and be set free from guilt and our sin that heaven becomes our home that we're right with God not based on what we do or don't do but on what Jesus has already done if you want to receive that this morning I want you to just raise your hand up and we're going to pray if that's you just lift your hand appreciate if nobody's looking around and we give a quiet moment all right Well, we're just going to pray together. I'm going to pray over y'all. If everybody could go ahead and just stand up, and let's pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. That it is your righteousness that makes us righteous, Lord. It's not us. It's not from us. We didn't do anything to gain it. We don't do anything to to merit it as we walk it out, Lord. We just receive it and respond to it. Lord, we thank you for your love that changes us and shifts us from the inside out. God, that you're working on our lives all the time. And all we have to do is just daily say yes. Say we're going to obey. We're just going to honor you that you know more than we do. And that you only have good. So it's so easy to choose because you only have good. God, I thank you, Lord, for, <clears throat> for just teaching us, Lord, that this word will be planted in our hearts, Heavenly Father, Lord, and that you just <clears throat> have it stir in us and change us, Heavenly Father, as we move forward with our lives, Lord, that there's one more place driven down in our hearts, alive on the inside that's growing. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for our children Lord, that we would be able to to train them up in the way that they should go. Lord, that as they are learning, Heavenly Father, Lord, that that we would bring them in the mix, Heavenly Father, in our lives. Lord, that, that we would all just grow in Christ together. Lord, that we could be the leaders and the parents that you've called us to be. And God, I just pray blessings down on everyone who's come here this morning. Lord, they have a wonderful, wonderful week, empowered by you to serve in every facet of life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well thank y'all so much, man. Well, 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 thank y'all so much.